All right, I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. All right. Let me turn. Let me turn off the speaker. I'm glad you want to speak right now, but I put you on just the phone, so I don't get a weird echo. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Well, welcome. Everyone to Pie Potatoes. This is my guest today, Chris Fumagalli. He's hey, a con- everyone. Hi. We have performed together probably 30 times at the at the Crispy Comedy Show at the Universal Barn Grill in North Hollywood, California. And you just did your hundredth show there. Yeah, that's correct. In fact, I was drinking water out of one of the UBG cups that I got from there, man. It's a great place. Really? I'm yeah, gonna have well, to... yeah, I went to one of the concerts or, you know, uh, a friend of mine was playing drums uh, a couple of weeks earlier and uh, uh, I was just drinking, you know, just Cokes and water. So I grabbed one of their cups. So now Does I it have universal bar grill insignia on it? Yeah, yeah, it says uh, it says UBG Universal Bar and Grill Hollywood California it has it on both sides. Huh. I used to have a collection of uh little cups but they didn't usually say the bar names on them. And by apartment in Hollywood I used to go into bars that I don't drink so I'd always ask them for a water and mm-hmm. they would give me a little cup or something and I would always put it in my pocket in my coat and then just leave after I drank it. And I used to have a whole collection of like little odd shaped glasses, whatever they gave me a water and it was weird. Anyway, someday, someday I will do my 100 show there. I don't think I'm that far away. I think I'm maybe under 10. I'm not sure. Yeah, you got to get you got to uh, hit up uh, Chris to get the official number, but he keeps them pretty tight for the most part. So, yeah, he's an accountant. <laughs> so he's got the number of how many people, how many times you flaked and have shown up. Who has the record for not showing up the most? Who is uh, uh, usually doesn't give you too many chances not to show up, uh, and. Uh, He's got, yeah, who's the most, uh, the most shows, the most times. And I guess the most sets there is still uh, Richie the C. And oh, that's yeah. Richie the C is, is like uh, um, at least 75, 76 ahead of me because I just moved into second place there with 101. I did my heart. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, you know, Richie's a pretty solid guy, man. Uh, you know, uh, he does the NoHo Diner. You know, just for people to know, NoHo Diner is the only place that I know of in terms of an open mic that does it in a parking lot, and there's still people that show up. So, yeah, yeah I was there. There was only mm-hmm. two people showed up, me and somebody else, and uh, but there were two civilians who were like just in the parking lot. You thought they'd stop and listen to the bike, so that's good. They have it inside. They have a really nice little uh, place inside. Hopefully that mic will be moving inside into the uh, little side room there at the at the uh, 
No Ho Diner. We'll see. You know, one of the things that I want to point out about No Ho Diner was that prior to, you know, kind of everything opening up in like May, when I saw it, was that Carol Newell would do shows out there in that same parking lot. So um, it was it was nice that uh, we got to be inside for a little bit. But due to, I guess, logistics, we, you know, the show had to be moved outside. And uh, um, there's still people because you got the the excitement of being in front of people it didn't really matter where you perform and that's what i kind of like about noho is that if you've got the right state of mind and you just want to connect with people and there's a couple people there out in the parking lot i think it, it can happen and it does yeah he actually brings a little stage too he brings yeah. a stage and of course a weeder dog so what wants to go to an open mic yeah. where there's a stage and a wiener dog come outside at uh, outside the Noho Diner on Thursdays at like seven or eight. And uh, I'm sure there'll be room to put you up. Yeah, I, I drove in from Vegas. I'm, I'm so thankful that I got there just as the show started. Sheila Jackson was there. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, she... um. She, after that, wanted to go over to the G or J spot, J spot there in Inglewood. And, yeah, uh, that's... the J spot tried to get him to put me up. I uh -huh. got that. They told me to send him a, a, a clip. I don't know why I agreed to it. I should have just said, well, put me up. Give me, you know, three minutes. And I don't know why I agreed to send him a clip. I don't know. Maybe they already put somebody up that day for a drop in and that was it for them. I've got to be bugging more places like that to put me up because I've been doing this long enough. If I can't get up there, I may as well just quit. I may as well give up. You know, I just got out on the road a little bit, was in Arizona, was in Utah, was in a place in California mm -hmm. up the coast a little bit called the uh, Hammett headlining. You know, I've got to get you know, I've got to get into, you know, on tour, get into more, at least the small comedy clubs, or it's just time for me to quit, you know, because uh, there's no point in just continuing to be going nowhere in this, uh, in this comedy world here in LA. We've got, uh, uh, the Universal Bar and Grill, like, you know, I've been up there like maybe 80 times. You've been up there 100 times, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay. It's a little bar show, but I've got to go somewhere. I've always got to feel like I'm moving forward in comedy, or I feel like, eh, it's time to give this up. It's time to quit because, you know, I've, uh, I've been doing comedy long enough, and they want young people in comedy, they want younger people. So, you know, at some point I'm going to have to go, okay, I'm too old or I'm too this or I'm too that. I'm not funny enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not something enough. And just go, all right, well, just forget it. I'm just going to concentrate on making money and go and retire in Thailand. You know, you know a couple of things I wanted to point out on that. I, I always think that the, when you do comedy, the first thing that's really important is state of mind. How do you feel about it? So obviously, if if you're um, upset about uh, not getting the success that you want, 
you got to, you know, you really want to change that, that point of view by doing something proactive, actually going to uh, different markets and, and asking to do a guest set. That's usually something, you know, that you could do out of town, or maybe you could talk to them and kind of, you know, submit something to them. So they'll, they'll put you up. And I'm happy that you're actually doing that right now, you know, in places like what Sandy, Utah, and when you went to Lake Havasu and stuff, those are places that I wouldn't mind doing. So, you know, if you want to do something together, Mark, and go to those places, I'll be happy to, to uh, go with you, man. You know, and, yeah, and uh, I gotta find, uh, you know, I got to find a place who's uh, willing to pay me, you know, or find a, you know, while I'm out there, while I'm out there in Lake Havasu, you know, I should have been like talking to some of the other bars there. Hey, you want a comedy show? You know, give me, and you know, if I can get a budget out of some of those people over there, then I can bring some comics out from LA once a month. You know, I need to be doing that. Yeah, you need to be working every angle a lot harder than I am, you know, mm -hmm. because I've got to, you know, make something of this. You know, like if I didn't, yeah, at least I got some out-of-town gigs and got paid some shitty money to go do it. People ask me what I'm doing in comedy, and I tell them I'm doing shitty comedy in shitty rooms for shitty money, you know? And uh, they say, oh, well, at least you're getting some shitty money, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's good. You know, before, when I was first starting out, you know, it was just very hard just to be included, and it still is, you know, to... Uh, be included in LA comedy you know I'm not getting up at the comedy store or the improv or any place like that and uh, a lot of people that do well I've gotten up a little bit but a lot of people that do get up there are people who work there and I don't want to go work at the comedy store and uh, I guess you have to audition at the comedy store now to work there you have to in order to be like a, you know a uh, guy who watches the door, a door guy or whatever. When a lot of, you know, famous people start out doing that. And I guess you have to audition. You have to go and uh, audition for the boss. And he has to think you're a good enough comic to, like, hire you to, to work there. But I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to, like, take out the trash and clean the restrooms and stuff like that. I can't do that shit anymore. I'm, I'm already too old. You know, I have my own business and I'm happy with it. So I don't know. It'll have to be some other path for me. Well, obviously doing bucket list over there or uh, being a part of someone's show that if they invite you, um, I ran, I ran into Scotty uh, kid and he was inviting me like to the ding dong show, the one that Don Barris does and stuff. Right. I get about it and stuff. I, I wouldn't mind doing that. It was kind of, um, uh, you know, great to see uh, some of the people. I've I've gone by the comedy store and and I see quite a number of people there, uh, and some of the people that work door like Quam and, and and Quincy Weekly and stuff. You know, I haven't seen Quincy for a while. Uh, last time I saw him, his arm was busted or something. Man. So, yeah, he's probably got his arm cleared up right now. But, uh, Guam, I saw like. Uh, maybe about two, three months ago. And uh, and then I think there was a couple of other guys that rolled by that were like dormant, like over at the La Jolla store. So, you know, it, 
it's great that it, I, I respect the place. I, I, I looked into it, you know, with them being Ciro's and then it was a concert venue for a very short time. The birds played there once. And, uh, and then when Sammy and Mitzi Shore uh, got it, I mean, it just kind of took off, man. You know, all the, uh, all the lights that are inside, you see like Howie Mandel, I, I guess he was a carpenter at the time and uh, he just decided to go up and, and uh, take it from there. And then uh, who else was some of the other people that I see there? And now he's judge on America's Got Talent. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I, 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 I've uh, always respected Howie Mandel's career. You he's know? he's funny. He's a funny alternative comic. Yeah, I've he always did make liked me him. laugh. I mean, you know, there was a lot of things that you know, uh, in terms of his timeline, that uh, Bobby's World. I mean, there's there's at least five or six different projects besides America's Got Talent that he's done. He's done movies. He did that movie with Ted Danson. That was pretty cool back in the eighties. Which was that the. It was something about horse racing, man. They, they, you know, there was something with a horse involved and, and stuff. I mean, I haven't seen it for like 30 years. Forgive me. Yeah. I think he was at a few little movies there, a few little TV shows. And, you know, he, uh, I don't know if he's still doing stand up anywhere, but you can go and you can see his old stand up routine. A lot of these guys, you know, as soon as they get that Hollywood money, they yeah. wouldn't even bother to fart in the direction of the stand-up stage. Some people still do. Some people don't. You know, uh, a lot of famous guys will go by the comedy store and get put up, bump some younger, hard-working comics, you yeah. know, to uh, make stage time for themselves. And, you know, that's the way it goes. I've had people... Uh, you know, I put on shows and people had to wait a long time to get up and people have uh, not been able to go up because we lose a stage or something like that. And people get really upset, bent out of shape. And I just tell them, you know what, man, if you if you are not used to disappointment, you know, you better get used to disappointment because, man, if, if not, you better quit comedy right now. And they usually get bent out of shape, but that's the way it is. You know, as soon as you think you're going to you're gonna get your big break to go up at the comedy store or wherever, some big comic is going to come in and bump you, you know, and that's just something they do. They come in, they go, hey, can I have, you know, a half hour? I want to do my, you know, part of my new special. I want to practice it or whatever. And they'll just say, sure, and they'll just bump a few of the younger comics lower down on the totem pole out of there. And uh, also there was a guy, I forget his name, but he was supposed to be on Letterman four times. And uh, the, just before he went on, they came in and they said, yeah, sorry, you know, Brad Pitt came in and his movie's bombing and he wants to uh, uh, come on and, you know, talk for a little bit. So we don't have time for you tonight. We'll try to book you again which they did do, and I guess they did it four times with this guy, and he never was on television. And that sucks. That's that's hard. There was a guy at the comedy store, you know, that everyone knows about, the famous case of the guy whose career was ruined by the strike there. He was getting ready to just get off the ground, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, he did, did his, his career got derailed by the comedy store strike, 
and he uh, killed himself because of it and jumped off the building uh, that's next door and tried to land on the roof of the comedy store, but instead landed on the driveway. And, right. you know, that's a, that's a really great book. I recommend to everyone out there who has not read it, who's interested in comedy. Well, there, was that, comedy. Uh, there was also that documentary that they did, that five-part series that talked uh, comedy store. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think uh, Bird versus Bear and and uh, Elizabeth Stanton, I believe, had like a small clip. And I I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, getting back to that point, you know, uh, comedy is is also a state of mind too. You got to have the right state of mind. You know, yeah. If you're, if you're bitter, you you know you got to kind of check yourself before you go up there because the people aren't bitter. You know, you, and you got to be a perfect reflection of the audience that's there. So. I, I have a certain rule when it comes to the comedy clubs, and that is is that I, I'm going there for a certain objective, like a showcase for something. So especially something like the comedy store or the improv or laugh factor, you really want to kind of have your A game together and you want to be there for something. You know, someone's going to see you uh, doing your A game. And then that way you can kind of catapult it at that point. You know, you're going out on tour with someone or, you know, you're, you're doing a part in a movie or a TV show. Uh, you know, that's kind of my expectation when, it, when I, I play those types of places. That's how come I, I just love hanging out, uh, you know, at the bars and just kind of, you know, telling bar jokes, man, just kind of just being loose, you know, just being happy to be there in front of people after, you know, everything that's been happening. You know? Yeah. But by the way, the book that I was talking about, it's about the strike of the communist store. It's called I'm Dying Up Here. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, there's like a, a show that's based off of that. Too. Yeah. Too bad yeah. they didn't have another season of that. That was a really neat little show. But the right. book I'm Dying Up Here is goes into the history of comedy and the birth of the comedy club. Yeah. And then the strike of the comedy store where they wanted to get paid, the struggle mm -hmm. of comedians to get paid. And mm -hmm. uh, it's a great book. And the thing that's great about it now, if you read it, you can get it on Amazon for a few bucks. I recommend anyone does who is uh, into comedy or into uh, just a fan of comedy or performing comedy or thinking about it at any mm -hmm. level is you can also, all the comics in there that are mentioned, you can now go onto YouTube while you're reading the book and see their sets. Like the comedian that unfortunately killed himself. You can see his set when he was on television uh, I, I'm not sure what show it was, Michael Douglas or something like that. But uh, you could go and you could look at their uh, sets on late night and stuff like that. Uh -huh. uh, really quite wonderful to see uh, uh, the sets. So it's, a, it's an even funner experience to read that book now than YouTube, which is at this point an amazing uh collection of everything that man has ever done uh, mm -hmm. on YouTube and hopefully they won't ruin YouTube as just a, a human archive it's sad they're censoring so much stuff off of there that's really too bad uh, but and I hate that about that and mm -hmm. but other but there's still a, 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 a lot of great stuff on YouTube just you know Clips that have been lost to television and entertainment history and human history that have been lost just from people uh, 
uh, you know, putting their clips up of stuff that they have on uh, VHS tapes at home, you know, mm-hmm. and news clips of things like that. I remember I went and I watched a documentary about the Simeonese Liberation Army. Right, Patty uh, Hurst, all that. On YouTube. And, you know, before it was be pretty hard to was before YouTube, it'd be pretty hard for anyone to even tell anyone about the Simeonese Liberation Army and the shootout they had in L.A. with the police. Yeah. And they kidnapped Patty Hearst. I mean, this was something that dominated the news for years until eventually there was a shootout in L.A., and supposedly uh, they were just shot coming out the back, trying to surrender by the police. And uh, a lot of the uh, the bullets that were things that, that supposedly were being shot or that you heard on the tapes were just uh, bullets inside as the place was burning down that were uh, just kind of going off from being uh, the fire getting to them. But uh, anyway... Another interesting thing you can find on YouTube, but you can find all kinds of interesting things on there. And uh, it's weird to go back and look at that stuff. And some of the news reports, people will just have old VHS tapes of the news reports from uh, then, and they'll uh, uh, put them up on YouTube, you know, just to share them. Comics and bands, things that have been lost. Like I remember seeing. Elvis Costello There's a documentary about Elvis Costello and his first appearance on television has been lost, but they, all they have is a VHS of somebody that has it. And they, um, they were showing that the documentary you could tell was an old bad VHS tape, but you know, it's all out there. It's good. YouTube's wonderful, but you can see endless amounts of comedy from any year of comedy that you want. Yeah. And that's good. It used to be comedy was hard to see. It used yeah. to be stand-up comedy. You'd have to wait on Michael Douglas and watch the whole show. Some some talk show like Michael Douglas or late night. Maybe they'd have one comic on television. Then occasionally there was those stand-up shows live at the comedy store. You'd have yeah. a half hour of comedy. but Or you'd have to go and you'd have to buy a stand-up comedy record. You'd have to go down to the the mall or wherever and buy, you know, a, a record album, take it home, put the needle on it. Or you'd have to go to a comedy club and buy overpriced, watered-down drinks to see comics. But now it, an endless amount of comedy is there on YouTube. Right. Well, you know, I... I, I uh talked about the documentary earlier, but one of the things that I was really excited about was that uh, I, I saw Lou Deck, uh, you know, right before the pandemic and seeing Lou Deck is a, is a blessing. It really is. He, he was a doorman over at the comedy store. And one of the things that he did, at least on his Facebook page was that uh, he posted a series of things that the comedy store did of like these shorts and it had comics during that time that was there. She had like a big promotion, like, oh, the show must go on and stuff. And she did, I, I don't know, like maybe 10 of them had people like Andrew Dice Clay and Brian Bradley was in it. You know, uh, comics that, you know, 
during the mid 80s, early 80s. Uh, they were on it, and it's great, man. If you ever check out his page, he has that. Um, I got have to look at it. Yeah, that's a, you know, I want to share that with everyone that, uh, you know, he he uh, uh, showed like some of the archives from that, and I'm kind of glad because I didn't realize that 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 uh, that material was out there as well, you know. Well, I understand there's a stack of VHS tapes at the comedy store in one of the old offices that has a lot of interesting stuff on it. Maybe someday they'll pay someone to put that all up on their uh, on their website and on YouTube. That'd be good. A lot of stuff that's there, and there was some documentaries about the comedy store that are up on YouTube and some other stuff. But you know, it's a I haven't been back there since they closed it down for the pandemic and now it's reopened. I have not been back. I don't know what the difference is now. I've tried to go there, but there's nowhere to park anymore. Absolutely nowhere to park. It yeah. used to be hard to find parking. I used to park behind the pink dot when I, when I would go by there in the early nineties, man. Uh, sometimes I'd uh, hang out and, uh, you know, smoke weed with some of the other comics and stuff just uh, before we would go there or after we went there and stuff. I did Skippy Lowe's show. Uh, I did a couple of Don Bear shows when he was doing it with Dante and stuff. So, yeah, I, I really respect the place. That's part of the reason why I don't I don't hang out there, per se. Plus, it's out, out of the way. Yes, it does. Uh, um, I got a ticket for parking there. It's, so so I understand the the parking headache, man. I uh, I, you know, after I got that parking ticket, it was like 52 bucks. I'm like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to park my car in the valet. And then if I want to like get something from the car or something, I can do that while I'm hanging out. So. Yeah. I'm going to have to figure out where the hell I can park there. Cause you used to be able to find a little bit of street parking and also in this parking lot, that's just a block down. But now, I mean, you never, ever, ever, there's never any room in there anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if the, going by the comedy store is worthwhile anymore but i used to go there a lot i used to go you know if i had a show i'd go do a show or if i had it was going to an open bike i'd go do a bike or two and then go over there and i would watch the comics you know because i wanted to see who was doing what in my kind of space you know and i would if they have room you know that you're a comic they'll let you for those of you who are listening that uh, don't know, if you're a comic, they'll let you uh, hang out there in the back of the room. If, if there's room, if not, they throw you out and uh, make room for like the real paying customers. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta get out of there and go hang out somewhere else. If there's no room or you can hang out in the hallways, right. but in the bar in the front. And that's, mm-hmm. And that's good, and it's good that they have that. I hope they're continuing that policy post-pandemic because it would be kind of sad for the culture of L.A. comedy if you couldn't get in there. Yeah. I did go to the uh, the uh, uh, the improv, the bar over there at the improv, and they said they, they wanted a vaccination card. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Well, you know that L.A. County here is going to be mandating that now. Yeah, they're they're doing it in steps. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if it blows over. But also, the courts. Hopefully, the courts will rescue us from that because 
that's illegal in the United States. You can't make a law that treats uh, one group of people differently than another group of people. Right. So, well, you know, what, what happens? If, if that does happen, I'm going to have to leave uh, Los Angeles. Well, Arizona. So this that kind of happened a little bit, you know, almost like a year ago where some people were bolting to, to Las Vegas or to Austin, you know. Uh, a lot of people are. Yeah, in fact, they, well, I talked to, you know, one of the guys there. He does, uh, Victor Martinez Jr., he, he has family there too, and he has a kid. So I can understand him wanting to kind of go there as well. But um, he does Mueller Park there in Austin. So if anybody's interested, I think he does it Saturday nights there. Um, I guess last week there was like a Latin rap battle that actually used it. So he just set up, he said, fuck it. Okay. I'm going to just, I'll, I'll just put a stage over by a tree and we'll just tell jokes there. Well, you know, and people would have like flashlights and stuff so they could do it, So the comics could do it. And I would imagine that, you know, when Victor did the garage mic here in LA, uh, there sometimes there was like 30, 40 people just all hanging out in a one car garage behind the food for less. Of oh man, I hated that place. I would go there, that was too depressing for me. Well, it, I went okay. so times, and some mind. people liked it, I couldn't handle it. Okay, so state of mind, absolutely. Mark. <laughs> it, it uh, um, it looked like Calcutta at times. There was one time where there was uh, a garbage stacked at least five or six feet high and it went back like a hundred yards. Because something happened with the city where they weren't picking up the trash or something. Yeah. And there, and there was an accident that happened. There was a fire that happened. There was almost like a jumping thing that was happening. Some king initiation. I mean, uh, uh, you know, there was people that would, uh, uh, you know, sleep in that area too. And then they're over by the laundry. So, yeah, there was a lot of things that would happen there. There was a security guard that I guess that was working at Winchell's went and did a set there. Um, there was one crazy guy one time, like, shut the hell up, stop it. You know, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, Saturday night. We're, we we do it till like 3 or 4 sometimes. And uh, Yeah. No, <laughs> I, would, I went there a couple of times and I decided I'm performing yeah. by a trash can in an alleyway. That was just like, man, I am not going to do this. And <laughs> I decided not to go back. I thought it was just depressing for me. Yeah. And well, I used to mind because uh, one of the cool things that happened, man, and I waited a year for this. I just missed the guys, but there was a dude that was like some uh, did like TV shows in Finland and stuff. And, and I play a game called Subspace where I played with a lot of guys from Finland. So I knew a lot of things about it. And they came by one night and I just, I did a, a you know, like a mediocre set or something. Uh, and then when the guys came in, I asked Victor if I could jump on again. And I went on and I did a, like a 10 minute thing on all the things I about Finland. I talked about Mohaya, the White Death, Cody's Pizza, and, and uh, Pasilla was a, uh, it was their, uh, cartoon they had a Priscilla which was a, like a detective that would wear have a pacifier and he would always say like all these uh, real snarky things all the time and uh, they just fucking ate it up man I was so fucking glad that I was at the right place at the right time to do that. well I mean you know I'm not putting anyone down who likes it and enjoys it I decided that is not for me like well, the universal 
Bar and Grill where I was uh, hosting for a long time. Before they had built that stage and fixed that place up, I decided not to go there. People tried to get me to go there, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to. I'm so happy with the renovations that that, uh, uh, they did there, man. You know? Uh, Yeah, I hosted a a show there for a long time called uh, Spotlight Sundays, and it was was pretty good. It was pretty nice, and... uh, the uh, I was hosting it, and there would be hundreds of people there, and then they would have sometimes multiple stages outside and, and inside. And I was hosting a stage inside or outside, and also being the stage manager, so I'd manage all the stages. And later on, for the rap shows as well, I'd be stage manager for that because I had a comedy show from about seven. PM till about 10 or 11 and they'd start a rap show after that. And, uh, that's another show where I've done like 90 times. Right. The show for years and years and years until eventually I was hosting it and running it and partially running it. But yeah, they fixed that place up, but I don't see any way you could fix up that garage out there behind the alpha beta or whatever it is. I just decided I can't do this and uh, with someone else. And, you know, at some point in comedy, I might decide that too. I might decide, you know, I'm not moving forward. And if I feel that I'm not moving forward, then I'm going to quit. You know, if I'm not getting something that I didn't have before, I just decide, well, you know, I had a good try. I had a good run. Let's uh, move on in my life, you know. Because there's a certain amount of sacrifice to doing comedy that you make where you have to cut out other things you could be doing, working harder on my business to make money, stuff like that. You know, I'm I'm doing this to hopefully go somewhere in comedy. And, you know, I like not that I don't like it and enjoy it just for the art of it. And I've done it now for eight, nine years or more without usually getting paid, without the uh, really getting any benefit from it other than just, you know, the satisfaction of going up and uh, doing comedy and having the feedback from the audience. Well, I wanted to kind of share with you part of the reason why also I don't I don't really hang out at the, the comedy places. When it, when I first came into town back in like 91, okay, I haven't lived here completely since 91. You know, I, I left and then I came back in 16. But when I was there, I would see uh, Skip Stevenson. You know who Skip Stevenson is? Yeah. From Real People? Yeah, he was there. And this was probably about eight or nine months before he passed on. But I just saw like when he would go there, just like just how um, like defeated look he had, like when he was right. there, that, that's all that he had at that point. And I'm not saying, you know, the guy was successful, man. He was on Real People. He even had a comedy album and stuff. But, you know, he uh, I guess, you know, drugs caught up to him. And, uh, you know, now that, you know, of everything that's kind of happened in the community the last couple of weeks with the 
with drug use and stuff. That's probably one of the things that you want to kind of address that uh, if you're, if you're wanting to do comedy, do comedy, you know, if you want to do, yeah. drug, do, you know, man, you know, I know and, a lot uh, of people aren't going to be staying away from the drugs, but you know, we've had some deaths of some comics in the uh, comedy world and some near deaths mm-hmm. of some people who just passed on because they took some uh, drugs that had was laced with fentanyl. And, you know, right now we have an open border out there. I wrote this on my uh, Facebook page and I wrote, you know, we have an open border right now between Mexico and the United States and these drugs are just flooding in. So I encourage everyone to get to NA, get to AA, get to wherever it is you need to go to stop because, you know, there's a good chance if you take some of these, some of these drugs that are running around, Right now in L.A. or anywhere across the United States, you're going to die. There's already, I don't know, 100,000 people a year or something like that dying from fentanyl. I don't know what the numbers are, but supposedly it's worse than the uh, the pandemic. More people are dying of fentanyl, and they're not doing anything about that, which is weird, than there is dying of COVID. But I would just watch out out there, people. I know that. You know, a lot of people are doing drugs, don't really have any control, but I don't know if me saying anything will do anything, but I feel like I should at least say something, man. I went to a wake for three dead comics, you know, and almost four in uh, yeah. one day, one night, you know, and how many more, you know, and a lot of comics. Yeah, they are bitter. A lot of comics are very bitter. And they don't get anywhere in their comedy life or they have a little bit. You know, there was uh, one comic. uh, God, what is his name? I'm forgetting his name now. He's usually, he's also a radio DJ. What is his name? Frazier Smith. And I was talking to him about, you know, the frustration of trying to get out there on the road and get paid and stuff like that. And he said, you know, yeah, you know. That has it. I, I haven't done that in a long time. And Frazier Smith is a fairly famous guy. He says, you know, all I do is I get, you know, paid a little bit of money to host the comedy store. And I'm, I told him, you know, hey, man, if all you ever do for the rest of your life is host the comedy store sometimes, that's still pretty cool. You know, it's still a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you hope you get to go somewhere. You know, you can see Polly Shore there. He grew up there. Mm-hmm. and was once a very successful comic and one of the biggest movie stars in the world. And now he's just a, you know, a guy who's, who goes to the comedy store and goes up and goes around doing, you know, smaller comedy gigs and people who used to watch him in the movies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's been everywhere in comedy, but, you know, it, it has its ups and downs. But it's nice if it at least has a few ups and if you, at least you can get paid something to do a little comedy. That's nice. Uh, I, I, at a certain point, decided I was going to quit if I didn't at least start getting paid a little tiny bit of money. And, you know, I've met that goal. I'm still getting, I don't always get paid, but at least sometimes I get paid and I headline here and there and get paid some shitty money. But still not really enough to, you know, make a living or anything like that. But, yeah. you know, I, I would like to, uh, it would be good if, if there's at least a point where you're making some money, that'd be nice. 
You know, yeah. people that love it, like Jay Leno, he's still out there doing comedy because he loves yeah. doing comedy and he never stopped too, you know? Yeah. And, and he was part of the strike. He, he got his leg busted, man. It was sad. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to talk about Polly Shore for a second, man. Polly, the first time I met her, I, I think Polly uh, does a great job. And yeah, he plays like the, you know, the improv or other, you know, venues like that uh, throughout the U.S. But uh, the first time that I met Polly, I think he just finished the AVNs. He was a host of that, which in my mind, it, that's actually kind of a bucket list thing for me. I've always wanted to host AVNs. And uh, um, he was with a girl. I, I almost want to say it was the uh, the star uh, Savannah, but I, I'm not sure. But he was like, yeah, he comes in with his Jeep. And then he's like, come on, baby. You know, like turn around, cold middle and chilling, right? And uh, um, I'd see him like do a couple sets there. Um, I, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mitzi, I've actually met like two or three times and we just like, we don't even talk, man. Um, the first time I really kind of met her was, uh, when Oliver Prater had his wake there and I, I, I didn't know the guy, but, uh, I went there with Jimmy Schubert and there was quite a number of people there. I, you know, what I liked about it was that it was in the main room and they had uh, cheeseburgers. They bought like three or four big old bags of cheeseburgers so people could, get, you know, munch and stuff. And I sat there at the table with uh, with Mitzi and listened to all the comics and stuff. And, you know, some of the uh, airing of the grievances uh, that was happening with him. Uh, Ali Joe, Parker, uh, for those that don't know, he was comic, you know, pre pretty much like late 70s and stuff is when he was hitting. But uh, he had a habit of like a comic would go on stage and stuff. And then he would go up on stage and do their same jokes better than the. Than the really? Yeah, that was his big thing. He was a big dude, man. You know, big and burly, uh, had a beard and stuff. Uh, I think I, I think have been a finalist in, in the San Francisco competitions. And he, I think uh, they, while the wake was going on, they were showing like some uh, a special thing that he might've done. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was for HBO, but it was, it was some channel, maybe Showtime, but they were showing that in the background while people were going up and talking and stuff. So, but I, part of the reason why I never talked to Mitzi was like, what am I going to say? You know, she's yeah. seen thousands of, of comics. You know, what could I say to, to Mitzi that's going to be any different? <laughs> right. And, and I guess there's other uh, uh, members of the Shore family because I think Polly has, has brothers and sisters that are there and stuff. I might have met maybe uh, his sister in passing or whatever, but, you know, uh, they had that little uh, condo up above. And that was, uh, um, I knew uh, one of the doormen at the time, Carl Edwards, actually. Uh, lived and, uh, um, but, you know, he moved on. He, you know, after a while, he stopped being a doorman. And he wound up being uh, part of the Three Stooges uh, show that was going on up at uh, in Las Vegas at MGM. So, and uh, yeah, Carl also did something with uh, oh that one dude. Uh, he did a variety show back in the like the seventies, early eighties. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of history there, and I I, I hold uh, very high respect 
for uh, for the comedy store and in the other places too i've been down to the improv i haven't performed at the uh, the improv off of melrose i did the one in uh, santa monica you know when they would uh, i think that was the same location where they shot a and e's evening at the improv when they would shoot it there because uh, yeah cause i uh, performed in the room that used to be the comedy store in santa monica Mm-hmm. Uh, second comedy store. Uh, I guess it was down by UCLA or something like that. Yeah, I did that one? I, uh, the one that now is Rocco's. Uh, it, it was downstairs above the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Don, and uh, uh, Don Barris did uh, that. So, like in '92, they reopened that place. I never got to see the Universal City one. I don't know where that one was at. But, oh. Uh, was a uh, Universal City. I don't know if it was a comedy store. I know there was another place up there called the. Uh, well, there's John Lovett's thing. I guess that was, was John later. Club up there, mm-hmm. and uh, someone recommended me once to go there uh, to to the one of the managers up there, and I, I guess the two managers were fighting, and uh, one manager wanted to. Uh, put me up and start having me there and the other manager didn't and I ended up not ever performing there except at some open mic and then the place shut down that was that and you know different comedy clubs are just uh, short lived money pits you know you just somebody just dumps a bunch of money into them and the comedy store evidently almost shut down and I I, I hear they were in trouble and they were getting ready to go under. And then they got the, got rid of their new old manager, Tommy, who got the new manager who evidently is doing a much better job. But a lot of people, I remember when Tommy was in charge of the comedy store, God, they hated Tommy so yeah. much. It was like, he was the reason they weren't big comedy stars or something. And now, uh, the store doesn't really even pass through. Too many people who are, you know, working comics in LA anymore, like Tommy used to. So it's like he would now they pass through a lot less. They're changing it a little bit, but for a while there, they were only passing through people that were established comics. And uh, a lot of the people that, you know, were the just the hardworking comics in LA weren't getting passed through the store. It's changing a little bit now again so when they're passing through some regular civilians which is good but so many people at the comedy store i know a lot of people that are on the wall they used to host there they used to go up there all the time they can't get up there now and that's kind of sad because of all the politics and you know who's got a tv show who doesn't have a tv show Asserted hierarchy. I, I mean, I'm not privy to the to the infrastructure of what's happening. Me either. Store. I, you know, like I said, if I go there, I'm I'm there for a purpose, and that is the showcase. You know. Well, uh, I used to have. I used to hang out there a lot, like so I could see all the comics. And you know, I saw the. I wanted to see. I wanted to see all the all the working comics. You know, that are working now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes uh, Polly Shore would just come up and kind of talk to me. He was kind of curious about me. And uh, so did, uh, oh, God, what's this say? So a couple of the comics uh, would just come up and kind of talk to me because they'd see me hanging out. And that was nice. And uh, 
uh, Brian Holtzman was always really nice. He would come up and talk to me. And yeah, I, uh, when I first came in the town in 91, I, uh, I would, uh, I wouldn't hang out with Brian, but there was a lot of places that I was at that he was at, especially the natural fudge, you know, um, <laughs> There was another uh, like coffee house or something off of Hollywood Boulevard. He did. He came in and he gave me twenty dollars so he could so I could get ahead of him. And then he asked for the twenty bucks back. <laughs> really? And, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know, he'd go on there and say, "Man, uh, you know, look at this place. It's like you could tell that all the couches have fleas from all the fucking cats around here." So yeah. Fucking, I mean, he he's a he's a very ferocious guy, man, and uh, I liked him a lot. Uh, I I think one time it was like me and uh, Lala and him and Sir Rama were hanging out at the, like some Chinese restaurant next door after uh, I think Eagles. This was off of Lancashire, and uh, that's where I also met Mike Miratori, and uh, uh, Ruthie was there, and uh, uh, you know just a couple comics there in the valley. You know back you know, give people some perspective. The only way that you, you were able to do open mics was through the LA weekly. The LA weekly was like the internet at the time. So yeah, right. you'd go and look under comedy and then you would see all the different venues, you know, do like the Coco room. And then, um, uh, what else was there, uh, besides the natural fudge, there was uh, the comedy act theater off of Crenshaw, you know? So, uh, yeah, Brian. Brian uh, uh, is a great guy, man. And uh, you know, I thought at one time uh, uh, there was like a show that I was putting together. I call it kind of called him up, but I think I got him while he was sleeping, so just kind of let it lie. But uh, yeah, I had about one of my shows once that I had over at the uh, sub bar. I had a really nice place over there. It was a bar called Oh man, what is that place called? Do you remember what that place was called? Where where's it uh, at? Bordner's. Bordner's. Yeah, Bordner's. The bar that's oh, been sure. there since the nineteen twenties or thirties. The Black Dahlia used to hang out there at the bar. <clears throat> that was a great place to have a comedy show. They had this amazing uh, uh, back room. They had a, like a fountain with these amazing uh, uh, lights or a little candle operated and uh, amazing stage. And it treated me really well there, but unfortunately, after a while, uh, it was difficult because I was drawing a crowd and I was bringing people in. But the problem was that suddenly I had two more popular comedy clubs open a couple blocks away. One was almost across the street, and it cut oh, down my people really bad. Just doing stuff down the out of there. What was yeah. that? Uh, Hooters. Yeah, because the, they did stuff on Wednesday nights, too, man. They do, like, a, it was, like, a, a bucket list thing, and they'd have, like, 40, 50 comics in, like, three hours or something. It was crazy. Yeah, it was, a, it was something called the Comedy Chow or something like that, and they mm -hmm. opened up pretty much across the street for me, and those guys were a, a lot hipper than I was in the hip crowd. They had a huge crowd, and mm -hmm. then there was another place called the, uh, the Dow of Comedy or something like that that was over at. Not the Dow Comedy was uh, wow. it, it was something else. I forget what it was called. It was at a place that was called uh, the Happy Ending. It used to be called the Happy Ending. Okay. It was called something else, and it was a bar. 
So basically, two comedy clubs opened up right across the street from me and uh, a couple blocks away. And it cut down, you know, the number of people that I had, which was dumb, you know, and I was still learning how to do shows. And I, you know, if I had it now, I would have been able to make a bunch of money doing it. But I'm going to look again for another place like that or see if I can get back into that place. That'd be nice. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, I was just treading water then with my shows. Right now, I was I have a place where I could do a comedy show, but for some reason I've been hesitating. I just uh-huh. don't feel it's the right time to do it, and you know we'll see. And uh, also, they don't have a budget for me to do comedy. I'm looking for places right now that have a budget for me. But, you know, I should be working. I should be, uh, you know, talking to the different places. Like before, I, when I was in Havasu, there was a place called the Frankenstein Bar. And you mm-hmm. go there and they have all this Frankenstein stuff inside of a bar. And I should have talked to the manager and said, hey, you know, you want to do a comedy show here once a month? You can give me a budget of at least, you know, a few hundred bucks. You know, I'd, I'd love to you know, bring some comics out from L.A. and do a comedy show. And, you know, I didn't do it. I need to be, you know, doing that stuff. You know, well, you got to be proactive. I, I mean, one of the, you know, man's material wealth is human energy plus natural resources times tools. So, you know, you if you've got the energy and you've got resources like a car, and, uh, and then you got tools like the equipment, you know, like the stand-up stuff. Yeah, you could pretty much do it anywhere else. And yeah, you want to negotiate up front what you can do. Usually what I do is like $50 or 10% of the bar sales. So yeah, that's kind of, that seems like a, a, at least a decent one. Um, when you're kind of coming out of town, you probably want to do more like, you know, three times prevailing wage, you know, so you know, that might be a couple hundred dollars, like what you're talking about. And then what you could do is that uh, you could talk with some other comics and see if they uh, they want to do it with you and then uh, kind of go out there as a group and then uh, hopefully make a couple bucks and then come back. Yeah, because um, I've got, like, I know every comic in town. So, you know, I should be able to, you know, use those resources, you know, in some way. You know, we've got... Uh, you know, various, all these people that I know. So, you know, I might as well be able to, if I could do that, you know, a lot of times I've been down in Orange County, I've been at some pretty nice bars and sports bars down there. And, you know, after I'm there, (laughs) after I was there and I think, you know, wow, this is a nice place. I should probably be, I should have asked them if they want to do a comedy show, at least ask. And uh, I didn't do it, you know. Yeah, I need to have that in mind when I'm there. Yeah, yeah, one of my regrets was not doing the anchor bar down there because I heard it was so famous with all the open mics that they would do. That, or the open mic that they did there on Monday, I think. And they would have like pretty much almost 100 comics go up. And tell yeah, it was like everyone like for three minutes or something like that. It was very fast or two minutes. or See, I did that a few times. Yeah, I, I, I meant um, it's... I'm kind of getting more in line with getting a tighter three now, 
because uh, I, I usually like to do a little bit more long form, like five or eight minutes, because then that way people kind of get a feel for you. You know, three minutes, you just really got to kind of have your A stuff and then, uh, you know, hope that every every one of them hits, you know, like 10, 12 jokes and, and then you're out. Um, oh, another place was uh, the place down in San Diego, the Madcap one, the one that was on the third floor over by the gas lamp uh, district or gaslight district. I didn't think I was ever at that one. Yeah, that that one was also another one that I heard that, you know, would just have a whole bunch, dozens of comics that would do it like late at night and stuff. I kind of miss, you know, doing uh, places. I know that there's a, a couple of comics I would talk about it and how, you know, it uh, it's a grind, but it's it's fun to do. It's something, you know, that you can just kind of kind of put another notch in your belt, you know, that you've done that. Um, I try to, you know, the places that I focus on is, is places where I know that I can do like about eight or 10 minutes and there's whether people are there or not, I can't control that. I'm not necessarily a bringer type, you know, uh, if there's something where if I was like, you know, filming like a 30 minute special or something, yeah, then I'd probably get people up to, to kind of do that if they'd want to join me in, in uh, uh, doing something like that. Um, obviously wanting to pick out the venue and then, and then the cost of like the, uh, the production and, and, um, you know, hopefully, uh, people will be drinking, you know, you want to make sure that the place makes money too. And then you get a cut of that. So, um, but yeah, I really like doing the, the, uh, you know, place like Lake Havasu or Sandy. So like the next time that you're doing that, I wouldn't mind uh, joining you. I was thinking about how like when uh, we were at the UBG this past Monday, like I told a series of bad jokes and then you went up and told a series of bad jokes. And I'm like, you know what? I think this could work out, you know, <laughs> you up and fucking just because, you know, comedy is supposed to be fun, you know? You, yeah. You fun with it too. Yeah. You want to have material, but, but you want to have fun more than anything else because you want to connect with the audience. So that's uh, that's why you really want to clean it kind of clear your mind of, of being bitter and just being proactive and, and doing the things I, I recommend that everybody go out and buy a sound system you know it runs about 250 dollars but you have that tool available in case you know something comes yeah up. i have that in my car i've got a speaker i've got a cord i've got a microphone i got a microphone stand traditional mm-hmm comedy microphone stand i've saved many many shows when you get there for whatever reason the goddamn sound system isn't working so you got to stand in the middle of the room and shout at people and uh really sad when that happens the ugb because of that they don't have they can't get their sound system going over there and so at least i bring it out of my car and set it up and get going Uh uh-huh and that way you also make yourself more valuable to whoever's running the comedy show, too. The one I used to run over at uh, uh, UGB, and before that we were at some other places with Anya and Beck Beckwee doing comedy shows. Well, like page 71 or whatever what is it called, page 71 off of Ventura? Yeah, page 71, and his DJ didn't show up in time so there was no uh, microphone for the comics so mm-hmm. i'd go to my car and get my setup and throw it up start throwing up comics you know i need to start doing more sidewalk stuff on hollywood boulevard 
Yeah, um, well, well, like Venice, for example. I remember uh, Michael Collier would be there. Um, you know, there was a guy that juggled chainsaws and stuff. I saw him one time. There's the dude that goes around with the turban uh, playing the guitar. And then there was Michael Collier, and that's what Michael was doing, uh, you know, partly as a living. And, you know, back in the early 90s when I saw him do that, as a result, I saw him. He was like in a, a bit part in Hot Shots Part Two. You know, he 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 was able to because he was seen at that location. Uh, somebody talked to somebody, and then he was able to be part of that uh, spoof movie, which was nice. So yeah, you never I, know. I have a little. Uh, you know, I have my speaker, and it has a battery in it, mm-hmm. so it charges up and it lasts for a couple hours, and it's very loud. And so it would be nice, you know, conceivably, if I could go out to Hollywood Boulevard or any main drag where people are doing things like that and just uh, have a way I could, you know, do comedy for people. And if they would donate to me and I could make a certain amount of money, that would be good because then you could travel around. I talked to a guy who was a Spock. He looked like Spock and a pair of perfect Spock ears. He had a perfect uh, uh, Spock uh, Star Trek costume and boots and uh, the eyebrows and everything. And he would do all that stuff every day. And he Mm -hmm. said he would make it a a living doing this. And there was a circuit, a worldwide circuit where he could go places in Europe, places in Vegas, places in New York, Mm -hmm. places in Japan, places uh, in Holland where he could just go every day, stand around, talk to people, meet people, and get take enough money. Huh? Take pictures with them. You know? Yeah, take pictures with them. People pay to take pictures with him. And he would make enough money for a hotel room that night and mm-hmm. a, you know, food and some restaurants. And he just traveled around the world for years just being Spock, you know? Uh-huh. Just... Uh, so that would be good if uh, that was possible. I don't know if it is. It is very difficult. It's a little bit of a different art form than just going up and standing up and uh, making uh, people laugh. If there was like a circuit like that, and there is, and it starts again, once people stop locking down, if there's a place that gets places in London and Holland, other places in Europe, Paris, and uh, if I could just go to those places and uh, – stand on the street corner and uh, make enough money. You know, there are certain people on Hollywood Boulevard that make 500 a day if you have the right costume and you have the right thing. But again, I'd have to develop that because it's, it's, it's difficult to get money out of people. That's a whole other art form, getting money out of people. Sure. And, uh, you know, hey, if you laugh, you know, give me a dollar, you know, whatever. I don't know how to do it. But I, I did see the guy down in Venice. I don't know if it was the guy you were talking about. But they were able to make a little bit of money. They were, uh, they would do a little comedy show. They would attract people's attention. Then they would pass around a bucket in the audience. And uh, he'd have his girlfriend go around with a bucket and uh, get money out of people. And they were making, you know, I don't know, 30 bucks an hour or something like that. Uh-huh. So, you know, it was at least a little bit partially a living. But, you know, you never know. It'd be good to get out and do comedy 
but it just seems like there's there's a dwindling amount of money in comedy too. I don't know. There's well, certain people that are making four thousand a night, but usually not. Well, comedy is kind of third on the economic food chain. You know, everybody needs food and a place to live. And, and then you got, uh, you know, gas and stuff. And then you've got like the second tier, which is kind of like movies, you know. And then and then you got like the third tier, like, you know, going to comedy clubs and, and uh, buying sports cars and stuff like that. You really yeah. have, to have a certain amount of excess in order yeah. to, yeah, to kind of enjoy comedy. But one of the things that uh, I was going to point out, if comics are interested is that uh, I think Santa Monica has some type of deal where you can pay like $20, $30 for a permit and you're allowed to be like on the third street promenade. Uh, yeah. To perform. And uh, Peter Prince uh, turned me on to that. Peter Prince also did something through either like Amazon uh, where he had like a special or, you know, he did his comedy set on it. And then when people would watch it and stuff, they'd watch it for free, I guess. But he got some type of residual from that. So, you know, that's yeah, kind of where you, know, you want to be as a comic, too, is that you want to kind of have something out there that even if it doesn't make a lot of money, it's still some money that comes in, you know, through some type of. I've tried so far. It hasn't worked anchor. out. You know, yeah. Anchor, obviously, you're doing it, and, and uh, you're kind of seeing the results initially, but you never know. Uh, yeah, it, you know, if you have a, a, a video, you know, of your comedy that's yours, and it's up on Facebook, and it goes viral, and you've got that monetized, then, you know, not Facebook, uh, you know, YouTube. YouTube will give you a certain amount of money if it's a monetized video. So, you know, uh, that would be nice. But, you know, so far that's never happened with me or anyone I know. You know, it happened with Bo Burnham. You know, he put his videos up and he became a big star. But now there's so many more people doing that, having their videos up there. It's it's a lot more difficult unless, like, something happens, you know, Mm -hmm. and you break out for some reason. And, you know, it's never happened to me. But, you know... You never know. You never yeah, know. Well, TikTok videos obviously are, are huge. And uh, I think over at the Liquid Zoo, uh, I've been running into this lady, Kate, that uh, uh, is uh, trying to get a, a mass following on Instagram and stuff. Uh, she was hanging out with Sean Karen. Um, that's it. That's another, obviously, uh, some of the younger, I think Andre Mulligan has like a TikTok. Uh, obviously Instagram, you want to have at least that available if you want to promote yourself through that as well. And you do a pretty good job, man. I mean, you know, when you put your shows together, you kind of put all the faces up there and you, you take a lot of time too, which is nice. You know, like when you do, you know, your show like at the Lexington, for example, you'll try right. at least three or four seconds to like one mix that, uh, that they were going to perform there. And usually when I show up at your shows, all, a lot of those comics are there and stuff. So it's, it's really interesting to, you know, because you do a really presentation promoting that comic, I can see if they want to return the favor and actually do a good. Yeah. You know, I, I work on promoting uh, everything as much as I can. You know, I'm no genius at, you know, the, uh, 
social media. Some people tell me to shut up about politics and make a lot of people bad. But, you know, that's that's part of comedy. You know, it's part of uh, part of that. And uh, I'm a libertarian. I'm used to Republicans and Democrats not liking me. And some people say, oh, well, you should stick to politics or stick to comedy on there. I'm like, well, you know, I'm a political satirist. This is part of my my comedy. Also, you know, a lot of those posts, political posts, get like hundreds and hundreds of uh, views. And then sometimes a joke does. I put a joke up the other day that had like uh, 50 people giving a reply to it. I wrote, uh, I don't think my sex robot loves me anymore. And uh-huh. now like 30, 40 replies on it. So, uh-huh. I don't, you know, I'm trying to also work on the, you know, work on everything as far as, uh, you know, promoting and Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter. But, you know, so, so far, you know, I've just been okay at it. You know, nothing's really broken through, you know. You always hope that, uh, yeah, you can start to uh, get people to show up, you know, to your shows through a Twitter following and stuff like that. And, you know, occasionally somebody does show up, but it's not a constant thing. You know, if you're Joe Rogan and you just put out on your Twitter, hey, I got a show at the, you know, the uh, the Chuckle Barn in, uh, See, uh, in, in West nice Carolina, you know. Well, one of the cool things that Joe Rogan did, I remember like when when MySpace first started, he became friends with everybody. It, it was like one day I opened up my profile and Joe Rogan wants to be friends with me. I'm like, it was like Tom and Joe. <laughs> it was kind of cool, man. You know, uh, so prior to Facebook, he was already kind of at the forefront of it. He's, he's been very successful. He's He's parlayed a deal that would be like equivalent to like Rush Limbaugh or, or Dr. Laura Schlesinger and stuff in terms of like just hitting, you know, uh, uh, major markets and stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm happy for success. Same thing with Mark Marin, you know. Um, yeah. And then some of the comics that I've seen recently, Fonto uh, put like a little film together and it had uh, um, Rob Banks in it. So I, I think that when you do, when you're not doing standup, you should be doing something that kind of would promote you towards that, you know, like doing little comedy skits with other, other people that are, are like, like yourself in terms of like whatever um, comedy skit that you want to do. I think the one that uh, Rob Banks did had to do with a, a parking ticket someplace in, in uh, North Hollywood there. So. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I try to do all that stuff and I try to get things up and, you know, I try to, whenever, whenever there's a, I always, every day I always look on people that I might be friends with and, uh, or people you might know and whoever looks like a comic, I usually try to friend them and if any comics out there listening to this, uh, podcast, go ahead and send me a friend request. I'm usually going to accept it. I try to friend all the comics and uh, some of the comics that are crazy and they'll get some crazy people. Mm-hmm. I would get uh, when I would do the, uh, 
the show, uh, Anya's show, the one downtown. I don't even know if I should talk about this, but I would just go through all the, the comics on uh, various uh, comedy open mic lists and stuff like that. And I would just friend them all and say, you know, hey, you want to come down and uh, do a show over here? And mm-hmm. occasionally I would get people that were just crazy who would attack me and start running slander campaigns against me. Just really bizarre uh, antics of uh, people that are just mentally ill. So you do get you do meet a lot of cool people like you, but you can also meet some people that are just uh, very crazy and uh, combative and weird for no reason, and you're trying to offer them stage time, and yeah. uh, they'll attack you or they'll start running a slander campaign against you or something like that. It's a it's amazing. It's just uh, all the crazy people out there. It's kind of a it's a good it's a good thing to do to be out there on social media. It's also a risk because you're going to meet some of the real crazies in the uh, in the comedy world and get on their uh, bad side, you know. So you know who knows who knows, but you know I'm I'm here I'm doing it and uh, you yeah, know, I'm you just not, keep swinging. Yeah, I'm, swinging. I'm out there swinging, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, uh, there's a, a, a bunch of L.A. is full of excess, especially when it comes to like the open mic comedy. So there's a there's a, a, a club that you could probably go or, or a bar that you could go to coffee house uh, that, uh, you know, they even got Pan Pacific Park. You know, Carol does that, you know, so yeah, if you a few times, you know, I go out there and it's fun to go to a park in the middle of the day. But it's, it's, it's weird in L.A., you know, there's so many people sitting in all these apartments everywhere. And I bet there's thousands of them and thousands who would love just the show we do at the Universal Bar and Grill. If you could somehow better get two people around there. Hey, there's a comedy show over here. I bet mm-hmm. more people would come out. There's tons of people sitting in their house just going watching reruns of MASH or whatever. And yeah. uh you know, they would love to get out and go to a bar and see a free comedy show. You know, that would be great. But unfortunately, uh, we just can't reach those people. But, you know, I keep trying online. I keep mm-hmm. trying. And uh, we'll see. You know, and I put up posts on, on my uh, uh, Facebook about politics. So I'll get people attacking me and arguing with me and many, many people supporting me and we get other people arguing with each other on there with some of my friends who are libertarians on the, uh, on the, uh, Facebook. And, mm-hmm. uh, there's, I've got a we'll post on there. It's got thousands and thousands and thousands of replies. It's like a month old. People are still on there arguing with each other about it about uh, the vaccine passports and uh, things like that. So, you know, I don't know if that that stuff is negative or positive. I have the foggiest idea. You know, I just try to do stuff that has an impact and uh, see what happens. Anyway, we should uh, continue to do this on another day. We've been doing this about an hour and 15 minutes now. Yeah. So, uh we should continue to uh, do regular shows and talk about, you know, the history of comedy and everything else and also do other stuff about uh, the punk rock song of the day. 
and uh, <laughs> we'll do some more stuff on that. And yeah, next uh, time I should bring jokes. <laughs> we should do jokes. <laughs> it's endless. But well, anyway, so I'll, I, we'll end this, and I'll get this one out there. We can put it up on our social media. Anyone well, else out there that has this, I'd appreciate it if you'd uh, share it on your social media, on your Twitter. If you see the link for it on my Twitter or on my Facebook, please share it. Uh, get it out there so other people can hear it if you enjoyed it. And where can yeah. where can people find you, Chris? Well, um, I'm going to see if uh, Tony Bartoloni is doing his show um, at his house in uh, his front lawn there, Mount. So it's kind of an outdoor show. But uh, Tony's a really great guy, very a vast knowledge of like movies and stuff. I mean, um, he does that over by like off a of temple and one on one, like in that area. Um, uh, he does it. He, he was doing it Saturday afternoon. So I'm going to see if he's going to be doing something today. And then tomorrow, uh, Liquid Zoo, uh, off of Sepulveda and Sherman Way, that starts up Sunday nights at uh, 9 p.m. with Ryan Talmo. And then uh, this coming Monday, I believe it's, uh, uh, what is it? Is it Ryan's turn? Universal Barn Grill. I think it's yeah. Chris's turn. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, Chris Putro, because uh, he, did, he did the Labor Day one. Where, where then, can people see you online? Where can they find you online? Twitter. I really don't. Well, you know, uh, Chris Fumagalli, if you just uh, type that in, C-H-R-I-S-F-U-M-A-G-A-L-L-I, uh, either Fumagalli Chris or Chris Fumagalli. Um, I've got an Instagram, uh, got a Facebook page. Um, one of the things that I want to say about the um, shows is that when I did those shows, like over at the um, – Legion post, I, I just invited people. I just talked to people like yourself through messenger and said, Hey, would you like to come down? Yeah. That way I kind of had a little bit you more control over it now. Yeah. Um, you got beaten out by karaoke. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm at that last show. Yeah. I was double booked and I was just like, you know what? This is like their way of kind of eking me out, which was fine. Yeah. You know, I still got paid for that, that night. And then, and then I was able to use that money towards the equipment that I purchased. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I have a regular job, so I didn't have to necessarily worry about that. But, you know, get the equipment, work out a, a negotiation with a place, and then, and then do it, and then, uh, you know, uh, network with other people so you can go out to other markets and you have the equipment too in case something fucks up in like uh, Lake Havasu. Yeah. Some some happens, you know, always have it in the back of your car. I heard that when I was first starting out comedy. I uh, heard a comic, an interview of a comic, and they said they were getting paid to do uh, comedy at a Chinese restaurant. Mm -hmm. So they went there to the Chinese restaurant, and there was no microphone or stage or anything. They just had to stand in the middle of the room start shouting and i'm like man you gotta have a little plug-in now they're so uh cheap and they're so good they're in fact i've been through a few little setups like that of just like little plug-in amps and stuff like that that i've and sound systems that i've sold and just gotten a better sound system mm -hmm. that's uh now just one speaker that's better than the one that i used to have with two speakers mm-hmm 
and uh you know it's just such a good speaker and it has a and uh, when you leave it plugged in it charges up a battery inside and that can work for a couple of hours you only need to plug the thing in but you can plug it in and that's good that way it'll have a charge on if you want to go stand on the street corner on a busy street corner try to make people laugh but anyway thanks for uh being on my show today and uh well again we'll keep we'll keep doing it we'll keep talking so we have a lot more to talk about but right now uh thanks for being on pod potatoes and you people out there thanks for listening be sure and share it and like it and uh so i can get more views and uh we'll see you later chris thank you for having me mark sure bye-bye